0: happy easter not even close happy easter there we go man it's great to have you guys here little shout out to the 309 and cafe we have over 200 people packed into the 309 and cafe awesome love you guys appreciate you man we are one big family and all of god's people said Right, appreciate you guys being here to worship, and man, this is all about Jesus Christ. This series we are launching today is called In Living Color. In Living Color. You know, you think back to like the black and white TVs, right? And like it was a huge deal when we finally got the ability to have color. Some of you in this room remember when you got your color TVs, Right. I remember as a kid when that came into our house and and the dial button that you had to turn and all that kind of stuff, right? Now you actually have that fancy remote and you can just sit there and just kind of aim and shoot, you know? Back then you had to run over and you had to click the thing several times over and all you saw was various shades of gray, right? This is called in living color as we look to the greatness of Jesus Christ and we long to live a life that is truly in living color because of him and who he is. That's what we're diving into, all right? So what we're going to do, we're going to jump in to uh, Matthew or into Luke 24 here, into Luke chapter 24, as we go after this story of what it means to be living in living color, all right? So what does that look like and how do we go after it? First step, be stirred. By the reality of the witnesses. Be stirred by the reality of the witnesses. Man, if we are going to experience life deep and rich in Christ, we got to know who was there with them and what they're saying about them and uh, listen and trust that testimony. You know, as we dive into Luke 24, I'm going to make sure we get the lay of the land here first. Jesus Christ, he had been walking on the earth, he had been teaching, he had been presenting, he had been shaping lives He had been healing people, and as he spoke, leprosy was gone. As he touched people, blindness disappeared. He was making people in awe of who he was, and people literally started to go, "Man, could this be the Messiah? Is this that one that's spoken of in the Old Testament who's going to come and reign as king? Could this be the one who's going to change lives and rock this world? Could it be? And as the Healing and the miracles and the crescendo just kept coming up and up. People started to get more and more fired up. They were certain, this is it. And I'm telling you, that week before he went to the cross, when he said, it's time to get the donkey, it's time to ride into Jerusalem, go get it. There was this excitement that was beginning to build. They were crying out, Hosanna to the son of David. People were beginning to say, this is it. He is the one who's going to reign. He is the king. This is going to be unbelievable. And he rode into town. He was introducing Jerusalem to who he was. But just a few short days later, everything turned a corner. And it didn't go like they had planned at all. And all of a sudden, he is being mocked. And he is being beaten. And he is being whipped within an inch of his life. He is being brutally hammered. He is having thorns pressed down on his head. He is taken out to a cross. And every moment they're watching in horror, like this was supposed to be it. This was our king. And then they heard the smack of the hammer come down on the nail. And it began to drill through his flesh, pierced for you and for me. And as he took that nail and as he took that cross, completely innocent and completely perfect, Jesus Christ in full display of love was getting ready to carry our sin. To carry my sin so that I could be forgiven. Man grasp it every wrong word said Every wrong thought taken, every moment of outburst of anger, every hatred or bitterness and refusal to forgive, every moment of going way off the deep end in some other way of life, doing what you know is wrong, you know it. Jesus died for that sin. He loves you, and you are not alone. And the answer and the solution to this world is not try to live it clean. Everybody say, not that. Dude, so not that. It isn't I'm just going to try to be perfect. It's I know the one who is perfect. And I'm leaning on him and I'm trusting in him. Lord Jesus, you take over. He died for our sins. He was pierced for our transgressions. Hope in him. But none of the disciples grasped it. As they saw him dying, all they could think was, this didn't go the way I thought it was going to go at all. I thought he was going to be in charge of the kingdoms of the universe. And instead, he's dying on the cross. And as he breathed his last and the earthquake thundered and the temple curtain was torn from top to bottom, statement being made, and they didn't grasp it three days he was in the tomb and all of a sudden it was time to declare that our God is victorious. It was time for God to make it perfectly crystal clear and on that Sunday morning there was a huge vibrant celebration from the angels as Jesus Christ arose from the dead and all of God's people said Man, he arose, he is risen, there is life. He stepped away from, amen, man. <laughs> alive. And the disciples and the women went out to the tomb because they thought he was dead. And they went to the tomb to pay their last respects. But the tomb was rolled open. And it was empty. And angels were declaring that he is alive. And they took it back to the disciples, and the buzz started spreading all over the community. And that's where we pick the story up today. Luke chapter 24, starting in verse 13. It says, that very day, two of them, two of the disciples, were going to a village named Emmaus. That very day, the day Jesus rose from the dead, the day the buzz started, the day the women were saying, an angel told him he's alive, that day they were on their way to a village called Emmaus it was about seven miles from Jerusalem you got to remember back in that day everything was done by walking seven miles up and down hills say about three to four hour walk that's what they say okay so if you're in Jerusalem and you're facing north it's basically three to four miles west northwest just kind of walking I'm sorry three to four hours west northwest walking it's a long walk right everybody say it's a long walk Right, four hours, they're going home. They were there for the Passover feast. They were there for the celebration over the weekend in Jerusalem. They had rallied with hundreds of thousands of others. And then they heard the buzz about Jesus and this cross, and they saw it, and they saw Him pass away, and then they heard the buzz about Him maybe gone from the tomb, alive potentially, and they're on their way to Emmaus. It says, And they were talking with each other about all these things that had happened. Do you think? Can you imagine? You've got four hours to walk. What do you talk about? You're like, hey, are those new sandals? (laughs) There's no way, right? There's no way you're having little chit-chat. You're like, what in the world just happened? What's going on? And uh, they were talking about those things that happened while they were talking and discussing these things. Jesus himself drew near and went with them, because our God always walks with us in the midst of our struggle, and he's right there beside us. Jesus drew near with them, but their eyes were kept from recognizing him. At that moment, they didn't recognize or grasp this was the resurrected Jesus. And he said to them, what is this conversation that you are holding with each other as you walk? What's going on? And uh, these guys are walking along. you got to imagine as you're walking towards Emmaus, dude comes up, starts chatting with you. Hey, what is this you're talking about? They're like, what, are you kidding me? Did you miss the memo? How could you have missed this? Listen to their answer. And they stood still, looking sad. They froze. What are we talking about? What do you mean, what are we talking about? I mean, looking sad. Have you ever thought about that? Why were they sad? Because the statement of resurrection was not yet grasped. Because they weren't believing necessarily that he was alive. Because the last thing they saw was him brutally murdered. And now they're hearing these strange statements. And in sorrow, they stopped walking. Literally, did not say a word Then one of them, named Cleopas, answered him. If you're ever wondering who these two disciples are, we at least know one of the guy's names, right? Cleopas. And some have taken some guesses on who this is. There's not exact statement. All we know is this one guy's name, Cleopas. He answered and he said, Are you the only visitor to Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? Are you seriously the only guy clueless to this? This is somewhat like, you know, November a couple years ago. The end of the presidential election, and you walk up to two people who are talking about who is now president, and they're talking about President Trump elected, whether they're for it or against it, and you come in and you're like, "Trump, hey, what are you all talking about? They'd be like, are you seriously the only guy in the universe that doesn't know who just got elected? Right? That whole day was a buzz of what was going on and what just happened, and there's no way that word didn't get around. This was all over Jerusalem. This was spread everywhere. Everybody was talking about the potential of him alive. The gossip had spread, the rumors had spread, and everybody was chatting on it. You seriously don't know? And he said to them, what things? All right. Now, don't read that and seriously think Jesus doesn't know, right? Everybody say he knows, right? This is that moment where he's like, I really need you to grasp and understand it yourself, so I'm going to walk you through this. Question by question. Uh, what things? And they said to him, concerning Jesus of Nazareth, a man who was a prophet, mighty indeed in deed and word before God and all the people. He was mighty. In de- Everybody say mighty. mighty. Man, we saw him raise people from the dead. We saw him heal lepers. We saw blind men see. I'm telling you, mighty deeds were done in front of us and in front of God. It was amazing what he's done. But then our chief priests and rulers, they delivered him up to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. We thought he was going to be king. We thought he was going to take over and lead Israel into a new domain. We thought this was the Messiah, son of David. our chief priest had him put to death and shocked us yes and besides all this it is now the third day since these things have happened moreover some women of our company amazed us they were in the tomb early in the morning and when they did not find his body they came back saying that they had even seen a vision of an angel who said that he was alive I don't even know how to tell you this but we've got some of the women saying there was an angel talking angels were sharing with them That he is risen from the dead. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb. And found it just as the women had said. But him they did not see. Like it's really important that you grasp this. Can you imagine putting yourself there? At the end of a horrible three days. With tears and weeping. sorrow and hopes dashed, and you're getting prepped to go back home, and all of a sudden somebody comes back in with the most cruel joke ever, I I think I talked to an angel who told me maybe he's alive still, I'm serious, I think maybe it's true, this angel, he was like really serious with me, and come on, this isn't even funny, man, what are you talking, I'm serious. You're not going to, you're going to stand there and tell us that. Yes. For real? This angel said that to you. Yes, I'm for real. Somebody check it out, right? And so they send people back over to the tomb. People are checking it out to make sure it's true. They're coming back. They're like, I don't know, man. I'm telling you, the tomb is open. It's empty. There's nobody in there. Truly, we did not see him there. Maybe he is risen from the dead. Can you imagine the energy and the excitement and the vulnerability of maybe what these witnesses are saying? Maybe it's true. Can you imagine? If that were you, I know what I'd be doing. I'm going down there myself. I got to see this. And uh, and it's important that we grasp the power of the testimony of these witnesses and how they drew them towards the truth of Jesus Christ. You know, our family uh, loves to uh, watch movies and to go out to dinner. So like that started way back when my wife and I started dating. That was one of our big things back when it was landline phones and there were no cell phones, right? And you had those hot dates where the phone was like 20 feet of cord and you're trying to find a spot in the house where you can like halfway close a door. Some of you know exactly what I'm talking about, right? Where you're, t- you're trying to have this little conversation on this long stretched cord and-, and we're trying to decide where we're headed and we decide we're going out to a movie. We decided to go out to see a movie. Um, it was called A Few Good Men and a uh, Tom Cruise movie. And uh, it was a great lawyer movie, phenomenally well acted, really somewhat timeless, great to see it. And uh, we went out and saw this movie. The thing is about me and my wife, when we watch movies, we feel them, we live them, like we are in the movie. And, and, and you know what I'm saying? Like some of you, like, you know what I'm talking about? You get through that and you're like, you are so them now, right? You're in that. You felt the whole movie going along. And I mean, there was the moment, you know what I'm going to say, there's the moment where Tom Cruise stands, he's like, I want the truth, right? He just thunders this thing forth as he's beginning to get, bal- all right, you know you want to say it. And the answer back was, you can't handle the truth, you can't handle the truth! right? This huge moment of inner, y'all have seen the same movie, good deal. <laughs> it's hilarious. So we're getting back in the car and we are amped, right? We're both in character now. And we climb in the car, and we're beginning to talk, and you're like, where do you want to go to dinner? I think I want to go over there. Really? You think you want to go over there? (laughs) (laughs) I have no idea what we were so hot about, but we ended up rising up. We had this lawyerly moment about us. I thought you said you were going to get chicken. That doesn't look like chicken to me, (laughs) right, as we're having our little chit-chat with each other with energy and venom. Can you imagine how that movie would have gone if they're like, all right witnesses to the stand, and he's like, well, I, don't I really don't have any witnesses, or I guess I just, I'm just saying. Like, that'd be the worst movie ever. There's no thunder in any of that. I, I'm just saying. I just thought, I don't know. I have no witnesses. I don't even have questions for the witnesses. Man, I'm telling you, our court of law is built on witnesses and the power of testimony, and one or two witnesses Begins to build the truth. How about 513 witnesses who saw Jesus Christ risen from the dead, tomb empty. He is risen. And all of God's people said? Amen. Amen. And some of you old school, get ready, we'll do it old school, style ready? He is risen. He is risen indeed. He is risen indeed. And uh, some of you are like, he is what? What does the word indeed mean, right? He is risen indeed. For sure it's true. 513 plus who have seen him personally risen. Man, are you willing to trust the witnesses? Are you willing to believe and be stirred by the testimony of the women who saw the angels of the empty tomb? of the hundreds upon hundreds who met with Jesus after he rose from the dead, do you believe? Scripture's super clear that if we believe he is risen from the dead and confess him as Lord, you are saved. I believe you are risen, take over. That's what confess him as Lord means. It doesn't mean put some words on your lips, it means give him rule of your life. Are you willing to let Jesus be in charge? Believe he is risen. The testimony is massive. And hand him your life. That's saved. First step in living in color is to be stirred by the witnesses. Second step to living in color, be rocked by the reality of his word and his presence. Be rocked by the reality of his word and his presence. And it's a huge deal that we grasp this, this awesome moment that we can have with Christ. And uh, as they were getting fired up, they had just seen the empty tomb, it says. And he said to them, oh foolish ones, slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? And um, you got to be honest, for most of us when we read this, we're like, wow. Jesus is like going throw down with them, right? Oh, foolish ones, like he's bringing it, but look what he says. He says, oh, foolish ones, why are you not believing what the prophets have spoken? He's like, hear me. The prophets wrote, the prophets spoke, the word has been passed down and you as a Jewish nation have been prepped for this day. Don't miss what the father is doing as he's preparing you. He eased them in, and now he's challenging them to put their trust, not just in the testimony. Now he's saying it's time to get to the word. Look what the prophets had to say, man. You'll be stunned with what's going on. Notice he says, was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer the problem that the Jewish nation has with Jesus Christ? Is that he was supposed to come in and rule as king of kings. That the Messiah would take over and reign forever. That he would establish a kingdom and Israel would be awesomely in charge. Christ sitting over it. And here's what they missed. First, he would come as suffering Messiah. Then he will come as ruling Messiah. And they didn't grasp it and he's like, you need to grasp The essentials behind suffering for the Messiah. It says in beginning with Moses and all the prophets. He interpreted to them in all the scriptures. The things concerning himself. Moses and all the prophets. He walked the Old Testament. Remember these guys are going from Jerusalem to Emmaus. We're talking a three to four hour walk. Can you imagine that four hour walk? As Jesus is giving you an education on everything Old Testament that spoke about the Messiah as suffering servant and how essential it was. The moment that he's walking and talking and explaining, big demonstrative hands going after it as he walks through the greatness of this prophecy foretold. The scripture is super clear. The Bible tells us, yes, Jesus had this planned out. God the Father knew exactly what was going on and the suffering was essential. You know, I went through this past week, it was a huge time of worship for me as I just walked through the Old Testament looking for those passages uh, that talk about the Messiah and that talk about him as the suffering servant. So I just went through and wrote a few of them down here. If you want to write these down, feel free to. These are great to go back and look at and study over time. Genesis 3.15 Right after sin had occurred, and God is bringing down the punishments, and He's talking to Satan. He says, You will bruise his heel. He's talking about mankind's heel, but specifically the Messiah. You will bruise his heel. He will crush your head. Get that? You're going to take a jab at him. He is going to end your reign. You are going to try to hurt him. It's going to look like it worked. But it's nothing. He will rise from the dead and he will put it to an end. There will be victory over death and victory over sin. You will bruise his heel. He will crush your head. Genesis 3.15 Right away in the beginning a hope of the statement of Christ. Micah 5.2 It says, You, O Bethlehem Ephrathah, who are too little to be among the clans of Judah, from you shall come forth one who is to be ruler of Israel. Bethlehem. Little tiny small town. ruler shouldn't be coming from there. But scripture's super clear. That's what's going to happen. Micah 5.2. Can you imagine Jesus walking along? And he's like, think of Micah 5.2. Bethlehem Ephrathah. From you is going to come a ruler. Where did this one you were talking about who died on the cross and maybe rose again, where did he come from? And they're like, Bethlehem. That's amazing. That's true. And he's like, that's right. Like, maybe it's the same guy. What do you think? You can imagine as Jesus is trying to help them come along, come on, connect the dots here, guys. Here's another one, Daniel nine twenty six, talking about the number of years after the time of this prophecy. It says in 62... Uh, weeks later that's numbers of years later so 440 some right after 62 weeks and anointed one will be cut off and shall have nothing do the math you guys from that moment that was spoken when is that it's right here and right now and what does it say is going to happen the anointed one the messiah is going to what be cut off are you hearing it For these guys to begin to grasp that this was the promise and the hope. Isaiah 53, 6 says he was pierced for our transgressions, he was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace, and with his wounds we are healed. Pierced for our sins. Pierced for my sin. Everybody say for my sin. Jesus Christ willingly carried. That weight pierced for our sins that we might be forgiven. He's like, do you see it? Isaiah 53 is calling out the suffering servant who will die to cover sin. Are you seeing it? Can you imagine that moment as these disciples are walking along to Emmaus and all of a sudden for the first time they hear, Jesus died for your sins and rose again. He was pierced for your transgressions. And they're like, whoa, whoa. What? That's right. His blood for you, covering you. What? This was planned, you guys. That's who this one is. Oh, I think I'm starting to see it, right? As you're walking along to Emmaus, beginning to grasp what's going on. This huge opportunity, Isaiah 53.6. Here's another one, Psalm 22.1. He's like, do you remember what he said on the cross? My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? It's right out of Psalm 22. It was a messianic prophecy. Or Psalm 16.10. For you will not abandon my soul to Sheol or let your Holy One see corruption. I love this one. Psalm 16.10. He will not stay dead. He will be risen from the dead. Know this. The Psalms made it clear. He would rise from the dead. There is hope in him. I got to imagine somewhere in there was Leviticus 23. We walked through that last fall where we talked through the seven different feasts and how each of them points to the Messiah. I can't even imagine at what point he got to the feast And he was like, think about it. What just got done happening? Passover. The feast of Passover, what's it all about? The blood of the lamb covering the doorpost so that God would pass over. The angel of death would not bring death into that home. The Passover lamb. Let it settle, guys. On the cross, at Passover, at twilight, when are those lambs supposed to be killed? Oh, at twilight. That's right. And when did Jesus die? At twilight, he is your Passover lamb, him for you. I can't even imagine how their hearts were on fire, excited as he was beginning to explain to them the gospel hope in Jesus Christ. It's amazing the reality they had shared out as he became, yes, their Passover lamb, yes, the unleavened bread, yes, the feast of first fruits, Jesus Christ. He died, he was buried. And he arose, and all of Ged's people said, man, we have hope in him, we have life in him. And uh, it says, so they drew near to the village which they were going to. He acted as if he were going further. Don't you love that? I mean, Jesus, he's perfect, right? So he must have been the perfect actor. So they're like completely convinced. He's like, all right, so I'm going on, right? And they're like, no, don't go any further. Where are you going, right? It says, but they urged him strongly, saying, stay with us, for it is toward evening, and the day is now uh, far spent. He's like, don't, don't leave, it's getting dark, and, and you should stay with us, and, and you know that's not the only reason. They're like, I don't want him to stop talking, right, and, and let's just have him stay, and it's getting dark, you should stay with us, so he went in to stay with them, because Jesus always walks with us along our journey. We are not alone. And all of God's people said, man, if you are in this room today and you are hurting and you are struggling, know this, your God loves you. And he's right there with you. Believe that he is risen from the dead. Confess him as Lord. Put him in charge. And watch God bring an amazing healing to your soul. A peace in the midst. It says, so he went in to stay with them. And when he was at the table with them, he took the bread and blessed it and broke it and gave it to them. And and their eyes were opened, and they recognized him. All of a sudden their eyes were opened. Why? Because he stood before them and he began to do with them what he had done before with the disciples. He was breaking bread. And maybe they were there with that Passover meal just this last week, and maybe they were there for some of the other times, but they all of a sudden recognized as he broke bread in this specific way, as he said things in a certain way, and their eyes were open and they're like, It's him! He's with us! He is alive! They, in that moment, experienced Jesus Christ. He walked with them for three hours and said, dig deep into the word and check it out. And now he's like, now experience me. I am right here with you. Do life with me and enjoy life with me. Remember, remember as he takes time to break bread, he is simply saying, this is my body. This is my cup of blood spent for you. As he began to reveal this out, they were like, oh, my word, it's him. They recognized him. And in the moment they recognized him, can you imagine? Just imagine the smile that broke on Jesus' face as he's breaking the bread. And all of a sudden, they're like, oh, oh, wait a minute. And the smile as he goes, that's right, boys. Now you're getting it, (laughs) right? Now you understand where we're at. And who knows whatever he said next? It only records one thing. It says after they recognized him, he vanished from their sight. Supernatural moment in this glorified body after the resurrection. They recognize it. He smiles. They grasp. There's some interaction. He's like, "Welcome to the Passover Lamb." Who knows? That's what I would have said, right? If I'm Jesus. "Welcome to your Passover Lamb, boys." Whatever it is he said, he has this little moment with them. Boom, gone. Imagine you're those guys. Oh! Dude, what? <laughs> Did you see that? And now you start cracking up. Unbelievable! Did you see what I saw? He said that, right? You saw that, right? I th- I'm telling you, unbelievable. We were right here with him. Stunning, amazing. What would you do next with that information? Right, think about it. Hang on we're going to get to it in the third point. It says, "Did not our hearts burn within us while we talked to it, while he talked to us on the road, while he opened to us the scriptures?" When God starts moving in our lives, our hearts literally burn. Have you ever felt that moment where you're starting to sense God literally saying to you, that needs to go. That needs to be done. This is what worship is going to look like. Come join me. I've got such a better plan. Here's the hope of the word. Take a look. And you're feeling this deep sense of conviction, this moving from God, this shaping within that's saying, this is the way to go. Man, may we respond to the one who burns within our heart and opens our eyes. And all of Ged's people said, huge deal. You know, I'll tell you, uh, we've got a fire pit in our backyard, and uh, love to get around the fire pit, love to light that thing up. Um, I'm just terrible at lighting fires. Terrible. And this is one of those kind of natural log ones, it's not kind of a gas one. And so you, you have to like, you have to really know what you're doing. And you know, you do the kindling thing first, you get that lit, then you do a little bit heavier sticks, then you finally put the logs on, you get this thing really going, right? Not Not me. I don't, I can't do that. So I grab the Duraflame log, nothing like burning fake and plastic, who knows what's in Duraflame, right? How does that thing magically work? And I just light the corners and the thing just goes, whoop, like, do you see what I kind of did? Not really, you know, (laughs) and you get this nice little flame going for a while and there's times where I've tried to do like natural logs, you know, and they're a little wet and all that, doesn't work well, so I go get the gasoline pour it on there, and then you're like, whoosh. I can't even imagine what the neighbors are thinking a couple houses down as their entire back goes, whoom, and down, down again, right? I, I'm not a good fire lighter. Don't do great with the kindling thing, but what you're seeing in this story is God lighting a fire in their hearts the right way. He starts with the kindling. Do you hear the testimony of the witnesses? Are you seeing and hearing from those who talk to Jesus Christ? He gets the kindling going. You understand what they're saying, all right? Now let's get to the word. We're getting to some sizable sticks. They're going to carry some heat. Look what the word says. Get into it. And as you start grasping what God's word said, you start seeing this fire going. But man, the full logs on the fire aren't rocking until you are literally living life with him, experiencing him. And as they are with him and he is breaking bread with them, they are on fire for Jesus Christ. Man, are you doing the right things and seeing the fire built in your heart? Are you letting God literally shape your heart through the testimony of others? Maybe you're here this morning and you're like, I haven't been listening to others who say that Jesus is alive. And listen to the testimony, it's the beginning of the kindling starting. And then taking a look at God's word and seeing the depth and the riches of it all and starting to grasp the realness of Jesus. And then, Lord, I'm putting you in charge. I want to experience you and watching God rock your world. Man, build a fire for Jesus Christ. Experience him personally, daily, regularly with the word and life together that God might get all the glory, all right? And now number three, number three. In this moment, we have the opportunity not only to be stirred by the witnesses, not only to be lit on fire by his word and by experiencing him, but it's be real about who he is in your life. Man, be ready to be real and transparent with those you know. Remember, we're picking these guys up in Emmaus, and they've just heard from Jesus, and they've grasped who he is, and they understand what he's saying, and boom, he's gone. And they're turned to each other and they start cracking up. They're like, can you believe this? I, it's unbelievable what he just He was right here with us. Well, it's getting kind of late. I think I'm going to go to bed. You know, maybe, maybe we'll talk a little tomorrow. Is that what you would do? Not even close, right? So look at the next thing. It says, and they rose that same hour and they returned to Jerusalem. How long was it back? Four hours, right? If you walk the same pace, probably it was more like two and a half for them, right? you got to imagine they're on their way over, they're on a stroll, they're chatting, they're thinking with Jesus. On the way back, they're like, I got to tell somebody about something, right? You're moving, right? There's no way you're not, you're just strolling along, you're getting after it. And as they get back there, it says they went back to Jerusalem and they found the eleven and those who were with them gathered together saying, the Lord has risen indeed and has appeared To Simon. Imagine you're the guys from Emmaus. You're like, that's it? That's all you got? He just appeared to Simon. That's it. Okay, we'll listen. Right? And they're like, seriously? Like the women talk to angels? Simon says you saw him. Isn't that amazing? And they're fired up. They're believing the testimony. Then they told what happened on the road and how he was known to them in the breaking of the bread. Can you imagine? That's just one sentence that could have gone on for paragraphs, pages, as they're like, okay, okay, okay. That's cool. Glad to hear about the Simon thing. Can I tell you something? Do you notice I'm back here? We went to, to Emmaus. Why, why do you think I'm back in Jerusalem? I, dude, we were on our way to Emmaus. Guy comes up to us. He just starts asking us questions. We start talking to him. He starts walking through the entire scriptures. Hang on, hang on. There's a punchline. I'm not off topic. Stay with me. We're walking along. He starts telling me all about this suffering Messiah and what it is and how we should reason it through, how it works. It's amazing what's going on. Our hearts are like stirring and burning. And we get to the place, we call him in. We're like, dude, it's too late. You got to come with us. He comes in as he breaks bread. Ready for it? It was Jesus. It was him. He's alive. We spent all day with him, man. We walked with him for four hours. He trained us and taught us. I got some things to tell you about the Passover lamb. Hang on. This is amazing who Christ is. He is risen. Amen. Yeah, that's nice applause, but that ain't even close. We're going to bring it, and I mean huge, because he is risen everybody say he is risen risen. man we are here to celebrate 309 cafe get ready you're coming with us on this journey we are going to lift this roof off our job is to celebrate with all we've got with cheers and applause with lifting his name up that god might get the greater glory so i'm going to ask the worship team to come on out and as they're getting set we have one thing that we need to be doing. Are you ready? We must celebrate. We must worship. We must glorify. Hear me on this. Jesus Christ, he died, he was buried, and he is risen. There is life in him, there is hope in him. Salvation, it is when we believe that Jesus Christ is risen from the dead and we confess him as Lord. You take over. Is your sin covered? Are you able to say that in the midst of my mistakes, my God has it in hand? I am saved not because of my perfection, but because of his perfection. Praise be to God. He was the planned suffering servant. He came for you and for me, and our job is to lift it up with all we've got. So are you ready? It is time for us to lift it up. Everybody stand up where you're at. Let's make sure we're ready to go. So our job is to lift this roof off we are going to celebrate with all we've got. Cheers, applause, let it rip, let it go, crying out, you are risen, I am saved, take my sin, you're my God. Let's bring it. Ready? Here we go. He is risen. Lift it up. Woo! You are risen, Lord.